like you can see that the passion for serving the Latino community has always been in me and really to heal the generations that are coming after us. So that inspired me to go into therapy work. And I quickly realized that I didn't really want to be a therapist for the rest of my life. And just like I have been very unconventional throughout my whole life as Latinas, I think we grow up with this narrative of you have to be good, be the good girl. You are listening to the Say Hola Well podcast, a show dedicated to help stigmatize the idea of wanting more money as a woman of color. More money, more options, not only for you and your family, but also for our community. I am your host, Lucy King, Latina Well Coach on a mission to help more mujeres become investors in lunch and online business. Just like you, I used to believe that I could only earn money if I was mentally and physically hard. And after learning about stock market investing and online business, I can tell you that there is a new way for us to create a legacy while living our purpose and not having to work as hard for money. So if you are ready to dive into understanding your money mindset, entrepreneurship, and stock market investing, you are in the right place. Welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to share your knowledge, your wisdom, your story with our community because I got to know you through a mutual coach that we both worked back in the day. And now I want you to just share more of your passion of who you serve and why. But before we get there, because I know that Visi Mujeres love the chisme, tell us who you are, who you serve. And yeah, who is Liz Fernandez? Thank you so much, Lucy. So Liz Fernandez is an eldest daughter of immigrants from Michoacan, Mexico, and was raised in a farm working community, very low income upbringing, single, single mom, incarcerated father that was either in jail or not present. A lot of hardships were experienced. I witnessed a lot of domestic violence growing up. My dad really struggled with like depression and alcoholism in my upbringing. And of course, my mother didn't speak English. And so it was a lot in my upbringing, but all of those moments really built me up to really want to give back to my community for the experiences that I had. And that really brought me to want to help and heal others. And through my, my career, I decided to become a therapist and I have my master's degree in marriage family therapy with an emphasis in Latino counseling and a sociology degree in sociology with the emphasis in social interaction and Mexican American studies in Spanish. So with all of that, I just through even my titles, like you can see that the passion for serving the Latino community has always been in me and really to heal the generations that are coming after us. So that inspired me to go into therapy work. And I quickly realized that I didn't really want to be a therapist for the rest of my life. And just like I have been very unconventional throughout my whole life as Latinas, I think we grow up with this narrative of you have to be good, be the good girl, right? You can't mess up. You can't 
challenge the norm because we're not in our country and we don't want you to get in trouble, but also we want you to make our sacrifices worth it. I decided that I was going to go into full-time entrepreneurship and transition into coaching actually when I was in graduate school. So now I work with helping Latina therapists double their therapy income as coaches um, and really getting their time back and getting more peace back and really creating possibilities for their career, especially within the fields that they're in, really just creating like that opportunity path and creating more choices for themselves and having the freedom of choice. I love that. And you just dropped so many things that I'm like, I just can't wait to ask you more questions, particularly about the way you were raised. That is very common for a lot of Latinas to go through the hardship, especially as daughters of immigrants. And I want to ask you, looking back at your story and the way you were raised, how do you think the fact that your parents came to this country shifted your identity to feel like you also had to be on survival mode, just how they were? Oh man, in so many ways, this is such a good question. I, even just the simplest thing, like my mom's anxiety and her fear, right? Like I was always super scared of everything and scarcity definitely lived in our household, like big time possibilities. There was faith, of course, to religion, right? But just, there was so much scarcity. There was so much just fear. My mom was undocumented for a large part of my upbringing. So the fear of getting deported, the fear of getting in trouble, having language barriers, right? And I think all of those fears were really really just instilled in me. And even though I recall moments where I was like little, I was like five, six years old. And when we're kids, we like, we really are ourselves. <laughs> and then society comes and programs us very differently. So I remember moments in which I challenged my mom and that's something you don't do in a Mexican household. And she would always tell me like, agacha la cabeza y no te quejes. Like, no te quejes, take it. Because, you know, no queremos meternos en problemas. We don't want to get in trouble. And of course, my dad also had a lot of, there was a lot of like law enforcement involved in our household. So her thoughts and fe- her just her fears were very valid, but that really just instilled so much fear and so much worry in me growing up and, you know, being a perfectionist and not wanting to mess up in any way, because if I did, then what would that mean for me and the sacrifices that my parents made? I really carried a lot of those narratives with me and still do till this day that like, it's a constant work of reprogramming. Thank you for sharing that, Liz. And the reason why I ask you this is because I see it with the clients that I've served as well. And yesterday just so happened to have a similar conversation with one of my clients on how our identity and I use very strong words when I was with my client, which I'm going to share now on the podcast, but I talk about how our money wounds have so intertwined with the, what I call the, the undocumented identity, because even though we are not going through the process or we didn't go through the process because of the feedback that we were getting from our parents, like you just said it, like agacha la cabeza, other people were like, don't look too Mexican because we don't want to get in trouble. I just try to blend in how that societal expectation and narrative really has in a way colonized the way we are able to build generational wealth and so I'm learning all of that takes time we did just say that like it has it's taking you time we're still going through the process both of us and so I want to come back to your passion on helping Latina therapists why specifically are you 
passionate about Latina therapists? Oh, there's so much here, Lucy. I like, I could cry talking about it. <laughs> I literally just got on a live with one of my clients and we were sharing just the realities of what our experiences are as therapists. And I think as Latinas in general, like we, without even just a t- the therapist title, like this applies to you if you identify as Latina. And in general, we are like humans that give, like we are conditioned to give, to provide, to nurture, but we don't even know how to receive. We don't know how to receive. And therapists, now when you add the additional title of like therapy, we're always giving, we're always holding space for others. And many times therapists are people that will have no problem holding space for other people. And it's typically the friend that like, how are you doing today? And you're like, oh, you're good. But how are you doing? Deflecting right away. And in mental health right now, there is a huge crisis of mental health professionals that are completely burnt out and depleted after the pandemic and in pre-pandemic as well, but now more than ever, where they are getting paid low wages. There is very little room for growth at all within the therapy field. Once you like the biggest you can go is really opening your private practice. And then you have to have the agency to charge higher rates and to not go by the rule book of the board of behavioral sciences, right? That tells you only charge $50 or you have to earn your right to charge more than $75. And you can't be in private practice until, you know, you're later closer to retirement. We're trained with this narrative that we can't access wealth. We can't access wealth and we can't access a higher rate. And we should feel bad if we do, because we're supposed to be in this for service. So it's just that whole narrative. I don't agree with. I love the field. I believe we're changing lives, but I also don't believe that Latinas should be the one sacrificing their well-being to, or any human in general, to make ends meet and to get to the career like max in cap that they want to go to. And I don't believe that they should be putting their well-being on the line. And I think that the only reason why they're there is because they think that's their only option. So I'm really like in this movement to support them, really take the blindfold off that I was able to fortunately take off when I was in grad school. And I decided to defy all the odds of not using my degree for private practice as I once believed I was going to and showing them like the possibilities and the options that they have available to them. This is so powerful. And I think that's one part that we both identify with, like we want to help Latinas build wealth, but getting to the point, we've done it, right? Like we've done the work, you've done a lot of the work to let go of, I'm doing quotations, like the ethical way of serving clients. So can you walk us through the process of what are some of those beliefs that you have to let go? And even the identity of, is this ethical? Am I going to be able to continue to give back, but do it in a way that is ethical, that is going to serve? That is such a good question. And ethics are really important to us, right? We want to be the good girls all the time. That's what we're told. And even in therapy, you have to be the good therapist, because if you're not in therapy, for those of you that don't know, there's a magazine called The Therapist. And in the back, they literally shame every single therapist that makes a mistake and they will revoke your license and put you there so people never hire you again. It is completely against everything that they preach, right? So our biggest fear as therapists is going on the burn book, I call it like the Mean Girls movie. And coming back to your question, a lot of the thoughts that I had to overcome were one, am I going to be inaccessible? Am I going to be inaccessible to my community? Who's going to who's going to be able to pay for this? Because I think that we also have this narrative as therapists that because we've been trained to work and serve in community mental health and like low income households, those are the only people that need therapy. And those are the only 
people like that we want to serve really genuinely, but they can't afford our services. We have this narrative that they can't afford it. Where the shift is actually in, there's so many Latina professionals that are very well off, that are working really hard for their money and that are investing now more than ever, that like love to invest in themselves and in their growth and in their personal development. So that was one, right? Like that my prices were going to be inaccessible to my community. I thought that having a coaching relationship with the client was going to be unethical in the sense that as therapists, we can't self-disclose. We are not supposed to share personal experiences or disclose anything about our identities because that can impact quote unquote, right? The client in the therapeutic room. And that was another difficult one because I was like, wait, but like, I want to help my clients feel seen. And I want to tell them that like, they're not alone in this journey and that it's valid and normal and share my experiences. So those were two of the biggest ones in terms of the ethical pieces. And also just the belief in myself. I think the first step is the belief in knowing that like you've been trained to abide by this rule book that if we're being really honest, it's mainly all white dudes that are in the board of behavioral sciences and therapy has become is very westernized. So we are abiding by those rules that are keeping us small. And you speak a lot about in your work about decolonizing wealth. And for me, it's like I'm de- I want to decolonize therapy and I want to decolonize the skills that you can use to like support you in really changing people's lives, but also changing the path of that you are on. So those those are three of the biggest things and thoughts that I've had to reframe. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm asking you this question because I know there's people that are listening to the podcast right now that are interested in, wow, how can I double my income? But because, yeah, you said it, we have been colonized to follow all of these narrative that is meant to keep us from believing that we are the help. I hate saying it like that, but that is exactly how society sees Latinas as we are just the help. You're going to work for us. You're going to take care of of all these people, but we are going to make the rules for you. And you are completely against that, which you're what I call una rebelde. And I like that as well about you. And we need to break away from that because that is exactly what creates wealth. Following our passion, listening to our voice, reshifting the identity, which I know you're big on identity work. And so I want to ask you another question in terms of Latinas wanting to double their prices, double their income. What are some things that you've seen with your clients in terms of pricing because everyone is I'm too expensive oh my god this is so good I if I had a penny for every time that we coach on this it's so interesting the way that our brain works and again it's very valid because of our lived experiences and all of the trauma we've experienced with finances we first of all I will say that for clients that I work with the employee mindset really impacts them because employee mindset is so different from entrepreneurship employee mindset I tell them all the time it keeps you limited and it keeps you small and entrepreneurship lets you expand and it's full of possibilities and pricing is literally a neutral thing it's a neutral number but we give it so much meaning all of the time and the biggest concern that they have is I'm going to be inaccessible or people are going to say no to me the fear of rejection the fear of like feeling like a failure is something that really holds them back but with pricing it's like the biggest thing they just don't want people to say no to them and they also feel really bad for charging double the price for work that comes out of their hearts. It's how am I going to charge for this? I love doing this work. And I'm like, yeah, you can love doing this work, but you, it's an energetic exchange. You are, it's emotional labor. You are taking in so much energy, right? And this is why total separate conversation, right? Like you shouldn't have that big of a caseload, like serving 40 clients as a therapist is, should be illegal. Coming back to just the thoughts they have about prices. It's really those, 
right? They have a lot of challenges believing that they can be someone that can double their prices and that can charge private pay, for example, because so many therapists take on insurances and that's how the system works, right? That's how the health system makes all their money through insurances. But then there's therapists that aren't getting paid anything. The biggest challenge that I give them, and I have this scale for your audience that's listening, this is going to be helpful for them to even take notes on. I usually ask, okay, what's the price that you want to charge? And they say, I don't know, $50 an hour, maybe $100 an hour. But that feels like a stretch. And I'm like, no, we're thinking in coaching. Let's put the coaching hat on. You're not in your therapy role. You are an entrepreneur. We're going to charge by the package. So tell me, how much do you want to charge? And then they say, okay, maybe $500 for the package. And I say, okay, I'm going to have you double that. (laughs) But first, let's check on a scale, right? On a scale from zero to 10. When we say the number, no, say 1500. How do you feel? How does your nervous system feel on that scale? And they say, oh, I'm like at a, I'm like at a six or seven. And I'm like, okay, what would it take to get you to the 10? And they say, just reminding myself of my expertise. And I say, yeah, what is your expertise? And then they go on and they remember, because that's another thing that they do, right? They feel like they're not deserving of that income or that price. And I, what I don't want them to do is to attach their worth because then when a client like false yes or anything happens, that's going to impact their worth. And I aim to support them in really feeling neutral about the price and seeing that it isn't an equal energetic exchange because the truth is that it's neutral, right? It's the thoughts that we have about the price that impact us. So good, Liz. I'm like, I'm drooling over here. Such such a good conversation. And you talked about how you just walk through the clients on what feels good to them in terms of their pricing. And that is one of the somatic practices that I have learned that I even have to do with myself because we have been through so much financial trauma that sometimes our mindset is, heck yeah, like I want to charge a thousand. But if your if your nervous system is not regulated to accept the abundance of wealth, the that allowing you to increase your capacity to receive the money. That's when you're like, oh, this is not going to work for me. The work that you do is so inspiring because you're allowing people to see that they are worthy of more, that they are worthy of using the money too to give back rather than just continue to believe I'm going to volunteer or give, do my job for free, which we have this belief like I'm making a big difference. But it's no, you really are not. Like your money has such a big impact and let's help you get double your prices let's help you build generational wealth so you can really create that impact so thank you for saying that busy mujer if you are ready to embrace wealth building as a first-gen professional through stock market investing or online business i would love to support you with that through my private coaching it is the most intimate way for us to work together You will be fully supported with weekly calls, worksheets, and everything you need to create the money systems, the mindset, and of course, the vision that you need to create a legacy. This is what past clients have said about working with me. One of my clients said, best investment ever. You exceeded my expectations from the first call and until the end. Another client said, before working with Lucy, I was paralyzed in making decisions about my finances. After working with Lucy, I have learned that money can be simple and fun. Another client that I help with private business coaching said, Lucy is a badass Latina who helps you with 
limiting beliefs, money mindset, operating a business, and of course, learn about stock market investing. So if you are ready to work with a coach who understand what it's like to want more, I would like to invite you to apply to work with me using the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. My next question is, what are some of the differences that you've seen with Bruna as a therapist versus Bruna as a coach? And is there such a Bruna as a coach? That is such a good question. I feel like I keep saying that, but these are really great questions. <laughs> there is definitely burnout. And I think that no matter what career you are in, you are prone to it. And especially again, as Latinas, we're one of the worthy population with the highest stressors and we like with the lowest is the life expectancy as well, which is really unfortunate. And with therapist, I will say that the burnout can be a lot higher. I think that burnout can exist in the therapy when you're a therapist and when you're a coach, but they look very different. When you're in therapy work, the burnout looks like you taking on way too many clients that you are like really taking all of their energy, right? You're taking it in, you are doing a bunch of collateral services work. And that basically means that not only are you seeing the client that's yours, but you're also coaching and you're giving therapy to the families. And you're also meeting with stakeholders and you're doing administration work. And there's just so much more than just actually providing the service. And I think a lot of therapists go into the work and the mental health profession thinking, I'm just going to be a direct service person. I'm going to just directly give the service, but that's not how it is at all. And when you're in grad school, you figure that out. And some people run like I did and others don't, they think they have to stick it through. And, and the burnout really looks like fatigue, being super irritable, really being super, super tired, not getting enough sleep, neglecting your meals and your nervous system and like being in false urgency all of the time. And there's many different symptoms, right? And they can present themselves differently for every single person. If you're like me, you won't feel the symptoms. You will just pass out and like, then you'll ask yourself, what's going on? I'm healthy. I work out. But it's like your mind couldn't get you there. So your body had to stop you. And a lot of the times what I see is that clinicians, no matter if they're in their 20s, 30s, right? Like they are, it's so depleted that they literally, will develop health problems like in their 30s and then they'll ask themselves what why it's because of the constant stress that you were in so those are some of the ways in which burnout like happens in therapy with coaching it can happen if you are working 10 15 hours a day trying to make things happen and not trusting that not trusting the process and not trusting and having that belief in yourself that every single little decision that you make is going to move the needle forward in your business and I love coaching because it gives you an opportunity to really increase your prices and decrease your workload. And it's an opportunity that allows you to see that like how much you work doesn't equal how much you get paid. And that's a narrative that we're continuously challenging as Latinas, right? So it, burnout can happen in coaching, but it looks like when you're people pleasing, you're not setting boundaries with clients. You're going over on call times with them. If your calls are supposed to be 45 minutes, you go over 90 minutes. If you're constantly talking to your clients in between sessions, because with coaching, you're able to do that, right? And there's just, those are some of the common things that can lead to burnout within the coaching field, but they do look very different. I'm thinking I'd rather have coach up burnout than 
therapist burnout. And I know we have some therapists that listen to the podcast and we love investing in therapy, but I do agree with you that it's our time to really accept that we are worthy of building wealth, that we are worthy of charging for our worth because we are creating impact through the work that we do. So what would you say to a therapist who's listening to the podcast right now? And she's, I'm just so inspired by this conversation, but what are some actionable steps that I can take to really start the path of shifting from therapy into coaching? I would say that, and it is important to also mention, thank you for mentioning that Lucy, because the work that I do, like a lot of my clients are actually current therapists. Like they don't leave and then go with coaching only. They like their coaching business supplements or private practice. They help each other. They support each other. So I will offer that some of the tangible steps that you can do now. So for those of you that are listening and you're in private practice right now, the first thing that I want you to do is that I want you to identify a number of the clients that you're going to take for insurance and the number that you're going to have for clients that you take on a sliding scale, which is like pro bono work and not change your mind on it. Have it be three people maybe for insurance. And I know that sounds scary because maybe more of your case, like more than half of your caseload is on insurance. Start small. You can start small with five, maybe five people that are on insurance, maybe three people that are on a sliding scale. And then you open up capacity for clients that are going to be private pay. If you are not charging private pay, if you are currently charging private pay and you have a book, you're booked and busy. I want you to challenge yourself to double the price that you are currently charging. And it's going to feel scary, but give yourself permission to try and to say that price out loud. And you can always offer a different rate to a different client, right? But what this will do is it's it'll get you comfortable in rewiring your brain to start making that change. And what this is going to do for you, which is what I help my clients do too, it's like, it's going to help you see that people will pay you $200 for your therapy practice, private pay, and that you don't have to be dealing with health insurances anymore and that you are not inaccessible for it because what this is going to do, you're going to reduce your workload and you're going to be able to go do things for free when like without resent. So that is something I would say to people that are currently in private practice. If you are a therapist and you're working on your hours, something I would offer that you do is that you start thinking about who you would want to help outside of therapy work. Who is your dream client that you're not currently serving within therapy work because you're also really limited with who you serve and start thinking about that as an option for you to expand your offerings because I will say that when you are working on your hours you're very limited on like you can't charge directly you get paid from whoever's paying you whoever you work for so that is something that I would offer for you and just for you to know and start exploring and getting curious with yourself over what it could look like for you to eventually offer coaching services because you don't have to wait until you're licensed to be able to offer work, which is again, something that we're trained to do, right? When you are, we're told that you can't practice or do any work by yourself independently if you are not licensed, but that's not the case because it's a case for therapy work, but it's not the case for coaching. So those are some tangible tips. I would give. So many goodness here. Thank you so much for such a valuable conversation. I'm like, wow, like I'm just, if I was a therapist, I would switch today. 
<laughs> Liz, what is an investment that you've made in yourself that you're very proud of? And I'm asking you this question because Latinas, there's a lot of listeners right now that are like, oh man, I've never invested in myself. I'm terrified to invest. So what is one investment that you've made in yourself that you're like, wow, this really changed me? I've made three really big investments. Actually, that's me giving the number meaning. See, I'm doing it again. <laughs> but the prices look very different. But I would say that the first investment that I made in myself to start an online brand, because when I started my journey of going from therapist to coach, I didn't even know that I was going to be a coach full time. I just thought I was going to build my online presence. And that by the time I graduated from grad school, I would have all these clients that would be ready to work with me, right? Once I was licensed and little did I know the path was going to look very different. But that first investment of me trusting myself and doing it scared, excited, but scared at the same time, being afraid of telling people in my life that I had invested. It was a $1,500 investment, which felt incredibly huge at the time because I was full-time in grad school or literally bringing home like $2,000 a month and like living paycheck to paycheck. My credit cards were maxed out. I had no money. Mi carrito ni servía. <laughs> so I was like, I, we got the stimulus check during the pandemic. And I was like, listen, like I'm going to just invest. And the worst thing that can happen is that I lose this money, but I learned something. And with a lot of courage, I invested mis mil quinientos dollars. And I was like, they weren't mine anyway, I said. <laughs> and that made me feel a little bit better. But I didn't tell anyone. I told two people. And the two people that I did tell were not very supportive because they said they and they were very close people in my life at the time. And they did say, what are you doing, Liz? We're in a pandemic. What, what if we don't have a job anymore? And then that just gave me information of who I didn't want to continue sharing my vision with. Um, and I became really protective of who I did share these goals and dreams that I did have, which is why I value being community so much. So I made that investment. It was the best thing I could have done because I proved to myself what I was possible of doing because Lucy, I had no social media presence. I could never in a million years imagine having a podcast like and like speaking on video. I didn't even like the way my voice sounded like so many things, right? But this investment was what allowed me to like start the path towards coaching and it literally changed my life. It introduced me to entrepreneurship and the possibilities. It literally saved my life, changed my life in so many ways. And it's changing the lives of your clients and even the clients that they are serving because you decided that you were worthy of really investing in yourself, betting on yourself. And so I, I just want you to know that I'm like so proud of you. If I could hug you right now, I will give you a hug because we need this type of conversation so other Latinas get inspired to invest in themselves. The last question that I have is what is your definition of wealth? My definition of wealth is options and freedom. Options and freedom. I could describe it in two words because when we are wealthy, it's the biggest, it's the newest and biggest way of advocacy for ourselves. And when we are wealthy, when we build wealth, we are creating opportunities for ourselves, for our families, for the generations to come after us. And we are also building freedom for ourselves and our comunidad. Because when we create the wealth, we can then do incredible things with that wealth. And it doesn't have to look like your X, Y, and Z type of person because you're building this wealth. Absolutely not. You reclaim the power that all of your ancestors gave up for you to be here. I love that. I love that. I'm like so inspired right now. Where can people find you and how can we support the work that you're doing? Thank you, Lucy. I know I got the chills as I said that. I, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at life with Liz with has two H's. My name was not available. So we went with that. And I, you, I'm currently enrolling for my group program, Align Coaching, which is a program designed by a Latina therapist for Latina therapists.
therapist to support you in doubling your getting your life back, time back, and doubling your therapy income with coaching as a coach. And it's currently open for enrollment. It's going to be closing next week. So I don't know when this episode will be released, but if you catch the episode and enrollment closed already, just go over to my Instagram. And I also offer private coaching after enrollment ends for line coaching. And then I'm also the podcast host of Latina CEO Identity Podcast. So you can find it in any streaming platform. And that is how you can support my work. Thank you so much, Liz. It has been a pleasure. And I just can't wait to continue to learn from you and just watch you and see where you go. Because I know that the universe already has so much wealth reserved for you. So you can not only own it and run with it, but also share it with your clients and of course with our comunidad. So thank you again for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. If you are looking for additional resources to help you start your wealth building journey or online business, make sure you check out our blog at slash blog. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay inspired. On the Say Hola Well podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general informational purposes only, and it does not constitute legal accounting, tax, or other legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content information without seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professionals. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liabilities for errors, inaccuracy, omission, misleading, or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.